We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is Wednesday, and that's Mailbag Day on the old IB Nation Sports Talk. He's Vince. I'm Sean. Yes, swimming right along. Big thumbs up from Vince. Let, yeah, me, ask you, let me ask you something. I don't All know. Right. Like, you've got a lot of kids in the <laughs> house. Your oldest True. is what, 16, 17, yep. 16? Yep, 16. Are the twins teenagers? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, yep. Are they are they Swifties? Are they yeah. into like Olivia Rodrigo? You know, like she's one of the big. Do you know? I, gosh, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't know what they like. I'll be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm going to pull the dad card of not knowing. I don't know. I I'm just curious because you know, like between all the Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey stuff, yes. you know, with the Chiefs and the they NFL. They less about that. And, you know, like, that's that's a thing every time you turn on one of those games and any of the other stuff. And then yes. oh, Olivia, so Rod- this Olivia Rodrigo iPhone commercial, have you seen it? You know, where she's, no. like, singing. Oh, yeah, like the, 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 like filming the music video thing. Yeah, like, if you've watched any games within the last, yes, you know, yes. It seems like every game I turn on, there's Olivia Rodrigo. Like, right. like she wants to get him back, and it's, it's just like over and over and over, you know. And I'm I just, mean, I'm just curious. And apparently, they're like diabolically. I don't know, like, oh really? As people, if they're diabolically opposed, but the fans, I don't oh. think like each other because I saw some because you know how it is. It's like if you watch a game and you've got any Apple products, yes, which I do. You know, they're listening all the time. And so, oh, like, that's true. The song plays over and over, and all of a sudden, I've got Olivia Rodrigo things popping up in my timeline. That's and apparently, by the way. apparently, like the Swifty fans think that Rodrigo is just like copying Taylor Swift. And so I was just curious. Oh, you know, like, let's just put it this way: they don't bring this. it up to me. Okay, and I know there is no desire by anyone in my family to watch more football because of Taylor Swift. How about that? Like, there's. There's no that that doesn't exist. I think that they, I think that they're fans, but they're not like we've got to watch Chiefs games to watch right, Taylor because like, Taylor Swift is on. Yeah, yeah, that is not a thing in any way. Shape, the handshakes or. with Brittany Mahomes and all oh, that. God, it's it's yeah. just it's so. Did you see that they um, 
they asked Al Michaels like why he didn't like bring it up or whatever, and he's like, because it's not a story, or <laughs> he it was something along the like because it means nothing. Like, that's what he said, right? And he's hundred percent right. correct. I mean, the only reason that all these other broadcasts have brought her up was because of you know the producers in the truck think it's think it's oh you know oh it's, they've got this shiny new toy and they can show Taylor Swift and apparently. One of the first couple games, the NFL did ask the T, you know, all the TV networks that televise their games if they would run free, um, free promos for that movie that she's got. Out oh, interesting. Right now. And I believe two of them said yes, and the others said no. I think that the NFL is trying to get her to do a Super Bowl halftime. Oh, I'm sure. I think that that's. And I still think that there's a relationship there with, you know, because you've got like Taylor Swift hanging out with not just Kelsey's mom, but there's stuff about the dad now. Oh, you know, I saw the like, dad thing. Yeah. yeah you know, all this. Nothing but good things stuff. to say. I, yeah. Look, I, for me, I mean, it's very inner. Like, I'm not a big fan of conspiracy theories in general. Right. Uh, but I will say it is very interesting to me that when this whole kind of, relationship saga thing began it coincided with a lot of travis kelsey commercials <laughs> that were clearly already in the can and ready to go uh-huh you know what i mean like that just it, it was interesting to me that they just all of a sudden now it's just travis everything kelsey just blew overlooked. up yeah didn't yeah. that I don't, again, I'm not a conspiracy fan. Maybe they've got, you know, a, a love that is long lasting and all. Of I mean, the things. Kelsey brothers, but, you know, they played in the Super Bowl last year and they've got the podcast. It was a whole thing. So they the were mom. starting to blow up anyway. So I don't know exactly yeah, what the timing just, was and all that stuff. I mean, but, whatever. Yeah. It, it, Nathan, at the end of the day, I don't care. Nathan Milton chiming in. Yes, Olivia is copying T Swift. So we've got at least one. There right you go. There. Olivia copied There it is. T Swift. I Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that they're both very, very, you know, both got a lot of, both spinning a lot of hits. Oh, I, I work with a big time Taylor Swift fan. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. My boss, big time, big time. And my former colleague who now has moved on to a different school, the two of them together, the day that like the tickets went on sale for the Chicago concert last year, uh-huh. had like their laptops out. And they like were walking around school with their laptops trying to get tickets and like the whole thing. We had like a fire drill and they're out, the, you know, they're yeah. huge Swifty fans. Um, it's a, I mean, it's a thing like for adults, like well, it's that a I thing. Know. That I, I know. I'm glad that my kids aren't that far into it where they're begging me to go to like concerts and stuff. But man, very fortunate, very fortunate <sighs> on that count. Yeah. Brian says he watches football hoping Creed shows up to play the halftime show. <laughs> Just watch the World Series. There's no halftime, but they, apparently they sing higher at Texas Rangers games. The, the, the old Creed hit from, what, 20-some years ago <laughs> or however long it's been. And Creed actually showed up to help them sing it, I think, at one of their last, like during the ALCS. So okay. Maybe they'll show the up the World Series. You'll get a little Creed. I there guess. you go. Okay, well, I see some questions spinning in here, so let's go ahead and get yes. to them. We'll get it off the pop music. Uh, Mailbag Wednesday. Mailbag Wednesday, baby. Yep. Let's just start with this one. Coleman, do you think the coaches have given up on Tobias? No, not at all. Not in any way, shape, or form. 
maybe they're not going to push the ball in his direction this year. But I think we all have to remember, he's a redshirt freshman. He's a redshirt freshman, Sean. They're not going to give up on a redshirt freshman. Okay, he he has. I think he's especially one be, that's as talented as he is. A, that's one hundred percent accurate. So, like, I I still think he's going to be a a good a good to very good wide receiver for Notre Dame. It's just not. I think we can all say that it's probably not going to be this year. Okay. I mean, I think that's fair. And I think you revisit it and you go back to the drawing board a little bit and you let him have another year of experience under his belt and you see what happens next year. I mean, I just because he didn't pop his first year on the field, which was this year, because you remember. He played a little bit last year and then got the concussion and that, that storyline was over. This year was kind of his first foray into starting and playing and all of that. I just, man, it's one year. No, the coaches have not given up on him. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think they're probably trying to figure out how to motivate him at this point. That's fair. You know, I, I think that that's got to be part of it, right? With Rico Flores passing him on the depth chart and – and all of that, I still, you know, we're still going to see him on Saturday. The For question sure. is going to be how much there have been interesting numbers kind of on the rotation, but like Rico Flores has played a lot and mm -hmm. he actually now at this point in the season has played more snaps than I believe any other wide receiver on the team, which is interesting. Now, really? obviously Jaden Greathouse and Jaden Thomas have both been injured. So that plays into that. I think that Greathouse probably would have, Great House or Thomas would have the most snaps if they were both 100%. But it's been Rico Flores. He's far ahead of Tobias Merriweather at this point. But I, I think that that's the biggest thing. you got to figure out how to motivate him, keep him right. engaged. And because he came in with so much talent and expectations, I think that there's kind of a rapid clock in his head in terms of what his career is supposed to be as well. So you do need to get him engaged pretty sure. quickly and, and, you know, get him – getting to producing. I mean, you make a good point about being a redshirt freshman, but at the same time, a lot of talent, a lot of expectations, both internally and externally with Tobias Merriweather. So you've got to, I said yesterday, you've got to get to that point where the production meets the talent. That's the challenge for everybody right now. And I, I was wrong. Apparently he played in more than four games last year. Oh. So he is Did he? at least, well, According to the depth chart that I just looked up that we got this week, he is listed class sophomore eligibility sophomore. So he must have played in more than four games last year, okay. which I didn't think was the case. And either. it definitely could be a typo as well. Um, but it has him sophomore, sophomore. So I will take that part of it back. But other than that, I will say that it is still very early in his career that let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know what I mean? Like he still yeah. has a ton of talent and a ton he can give to this team. That is something that is easy to find. Let's see last year's participation. Ah, look at you. Chart. One, two, three, four, five, six. Man, he played in seven games. Did he really? Year. Well, see, yeah. there you go. And yeah. he only had one catch. So. Yeah. I know. So I again, it's like, you know, that, that clock that I was just talking about, the clock is ticking right now. You've got to get right. him engaged and turn him into a productive receiver and right. you know, get, get him locked in so that he turns himself into a productive re receiver, and I think, is the biggest thing. The reason he played so much last year and the reason he's still playing this year is because he does block very well. I mean, he it, that part of his game has not taken a hit. He's still a very good blocker. 
Now they need obviously for him to be more than just that. He needs to be able to catch the ball and he needs to be able to do different things, but he still plays because he is able to block at a high level. So we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brian says, who is the realistic NFL Meriwether comp? Do you want me to take this? Yeah, because I, I don't – I'm not a big fan of comps, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, one of the two St. Browns, I think, is probably the closest. <laughs> Which one is a is – a, yeah. I know. Well, I mean, you've got two different ends of the spectrum because Equinemius, exactly. Equinemius was more productive – than Tobias when he was at Notre Dame, but obviously his production dropped. His last year was at 2017, his last year, but he's been more of a, you know, like deep reserve, sometimes practice squad type guy. But Amon Ra has become a very productive, high-end NFL wide receiver. He didn't get there right away, but I, I, you know, so yeah, it's like, I mean, body types are very similar. I think skill sets are very similar. So you know, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say Jerry Rice because I don't see, no, as good as Tobias is, I don't see greatest wide receiver of all time in no. his future. I'm and we don't say Randy like, Moss because there's Randy nobody Moss on this there. roster I see that for. <laughs> no. And I mean, yeah, and Randy Moss isn't far behind. <laughs> exactly. Jerry Rice. They're in the same so. conversation as far as like greatest of all yeah. time. Still Jerry Rice, but Moss is, I mean, he's in the, he's in the room, you know, as you're discussing this, right? And so, no, we're not going to be putting, him in that same conversation. Sorry. No. no. Um, and I think he was being, I think he's joking around, obviously. But um, it, look, there's still a lot of football to be played for Tobias. So, yeah, he was disappointing this year. I think we can all appreciate that. We can all say that with confidence, but his career is not over. His career is not over. Gordian Nut, Irish Gordian Nut says T. Higgins. I mean, I could see T. Higgins, but T. Higgins was also a very productive college receiver who has been very. like, T. Higgins could be a number one receiver if he didn't have, you know, like Jamar Chase where he is. So, like, 
So that might be still a little bit above Tobias's scale. Like, could he turn into that? Sure. But there's still a lot, again, yeah. that he's got to get figured out before he gets to that point. Oh, yeah. So that's why he can't quite yeah, I'd... leap off quite that far to to like a pro. I, I just won't put him on, on par with a Pro Bowl level NFL wide receiver right now. He, I mean, the guy's got to show he can do it in college before I even start talking about that. He hasn't done that yet. You're on mute right now. Just Sorry, you... I just said no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I realized I was on mute and I was like, I don't know if my nope was all that important. <laughs> <laughs> Joe.pm.17. Dream scenario for 24. Minchie is ready. Car is too good not to start or land a big transfer again. I think if, you know, I think the dream scenario is the first one. Um, that Minchie is ready to go. Uh, you know, a car is too good not to start. Well, that's fine. He can still be the backup, you know, or, or however you want to do it. That's a one-two punch that I can get on board with. I don't necessarily want them to land a big transfer again. You want to see development within the quarterback position at Notre Dame. I think that's what this team is missing at this point is the development piece of a quarterback. I haven't seen that in, gosh, you know, how long, right? And so, look, if – there's a big name out there, okay? And it's a name that you just can't pass up. Then yeah, you make a run at them because you're not you're doing your team, your fan base, your school, whatever a disservice if and I'm just throwing names out there for fun. If a Caleb Williams or a Drake May or somebody like that is out there and has interest in Notre Dame and you're like, "Nah, we're good. We've got a kid who's never played before who we're right. ready to go with." Like, right? That's you're doing them a disservice, right? But if there's not that guy out there, then yeah, you hope that it's it's Minchie or Carr or you know that kind of a thing. So uh, preferably it's the first one. But if man, that big fish is out there, you make a run at him. I agree. If it's if it's some, you know, big dog, you know, like a, I'm trying to th- you know like you use Caleb Williams as a as a reference. A lot of people, a lot of people hot after Riley Leonard. I don't know that that's the guy. Uh, see, I, uh, I mean, he's a good quarterback. He's got a ton more experience. But he's a good quarterback with a specific style. Yeah, I just right. don't think that it. And I, you know, again, like when you go to, are you advancing yeah. your quarterback development by bringing in Riley Leonard, right. or are you suiting everything to suit his style for one year? Right. That's, I think it's the latter. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I look, he he obviously brings a lot of experience, you know, that whole thing. I just he's a poor man's Sam Hartman to me. Um, and that's not really what I want. I'd rather go the other route in that particular case. Yeah, me too. I he's, not much rather, he's not the big fish. He's not the big fish much, I'm talking about. Like I'm I'm fine with Minchie or Carr being the guy next year. Like yeah. it, you know, assuming yeah. they're ready and, as soon as they're ready, assuming they're ready, right? And I yeah. I still say you've got to go to the transfer portal and bring in a veteran quarterback, you know, who, you know, can can back up. Okay, I I, th- I still think you need the depth, um, but not I somebody that you're planning that, on starting. I mean, who's gonna who's gonna want to come to? Oh, to there's Notre plenty of out to, there. There's plenty of guys who just want to come and stand on the sideline oh, for a sure. year. Oh, sure. Their yeah. final year of eligibility. To go to Notre Dame and get a free education? 100%. Uh, they, but they're getting free educations at other places. But they're it's only not coming a Notre Dame here education. for one year. 
They become into Notre Dame. I'm talking about a graduate transfer who comes over to get his master's degree at Notre Dame. I'm telling you, there's guys out there that would do that. I just, I don't see it. There was a guy uh, from the Ivy League. Who's the, I mean, this is a different, you know, know, institution, but Clemson, I believe, brought in um, a veteran backup quarterback to, uh, to, to, to back up Klubnik this year. Knew he wasn't going to start, but just well, comes in. And that's what I'm know, saying. Like if it's an Ivy that's, League guy, I could see it because they're not getting that's what any I'm scholarships saying. out there. They've already got a really good degree. They could be part of a big program. Yeah, like like an Ivy League guy. Sure, I could see sure. that kind of guy. Like that's that, but that's what I'm talking about. Like okay. a veteran okay. guy who started some games. Like he pretty much knows his football, you know. But he's a guy that you would feel comfortable handing the reins over if there was a massive injury. You know, that kind of a thing. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Nathan wants to know which Notre Dame player that transferred from Notre Dame was the most disappointing, weird, surprising. This is an interesting one. I mean, I think about Phil this. Dracovic. Ah, that's a really good one. I think that's where this conversation comes from, right? Or this question comes from since it's pit week. Um, <laughs> he would be the biggest disappointment. I mean, holy smokies, like uh joe's got one joe pm 17 says jordan johnson i think that's a pretty good one you know he had yeah he was the precursor to tobias merriweather you know why are they not getting him the football and then he left yeah and still hasn't played and look where it's turned out yeah right exactly i think those are good i'm 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 stumped to think of you know anybody else off the top of my head right now I mean, I was, I was, I, I mean, guess a lot of kids the, have transferred out. I was like, a little surprised, you know, when Gunnar Keel took off. Yeah. Okay. You know, like talk about big time quarterbacks, but again, like look how it worked out for Gunnar Keel after he left, after all that flip flopping yeah, right? and, you know, switching it around. Doesn't have, who he's doesn't have the to. chest. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that whole, right. that whole thing. That's right. Old Les Miles didn't have the chest for Les Miles. It's like somebody said Diggs. But he's having success. Like, that's not a disappointment for him. Maybe it's a disappointment for Notre Dame fans, but Notre Dame's running back room is way better than LSU's running back room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right so. now it is. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you when you sit and look at, at Diggs, he's closer to home, all those different things. I think, you know, it worked out, I think, I think it worked out for everybody. He's he's playing down there. He's closer to home. Notre Dame is doing just fine with that. Yeah. So they're not, yeah, they're not losing any sleep, you yeah. know. Had a Notre Dame basketball question <gasps> or two. What? Do you think JR plays more this year? Being a junior now, if he doesn't step up now, he'll never play. Oh, Coleman. Have you seen the Notre Dame roster? <laughs> he's gonna play. Okay. <laughs> They they were picked last in the ACC. Jr. is going to play. Jr. is now the veteran on the team, so he's going to play. There, Jr. No and Matt Zona. That's yeah. that's yeah. Yes. And I guarantee you, at least at the beginning of the season, those two are going to be in the starting lineup. I have pretty much full faith that that's the case. And at media day last week, Micah Shrewsbury was talking about you know just like his you know all all the effort you know like yeah. he's going going at it, going hard all the time, really trying to show himself and good for him. You know, if that's the case. Yep. And I, I would just think you know, with the roster that they've got, yeah, I, I would think that 
just about all those guys are going to play. Oh my gosh. But, Especially the older guys too. I mean, you know what I mean? Like they stuck yeah. it out and they're going to get rewarded for sticking it out. Now I don't you would know, hope maybe not with wins, but they're going to get rewarded with playing time yeah. at least at the beginning. I think at least at the beginning, because at least they've got some experience, you know, being in college and have, have an opportunity to have uh, you know, more filled out physique, you know, all of those different things that can help you in ACC play and, and things like that. So I, I do think he's going to get some playing time. They've got the kind of games in November and into December. Like they've got some tough games. Like they've got Auburn, you know, they've got a couple other tough non-conference games, but they've got their typical games where you can get some of these guys out there and really kind of test the rotation. And again, that's something that Shrewsbury said that he would probably do next, you know, in, in these first few games in November is, is kind of experiment, not, not totally experiment, but roll some guys out there, see what he's got. You know, it's like, you're taking this thing over. And these were the only three guys who stuck around. Right. (laughs) Exactly. After, after Mike Bray left. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we'll see more of him at least early on what happens after that. He's going to have to earn it. I think he's going to have to earn it because I do think that there's some talent in the freshman class. Right. And, and that, but that's the majority of the roster. And so he's going to, I think he, I think he's going to give the older guys an opportunity to kind of prove themselves and earn some spots and things of that nature. And if it's not going well, which I don't really anticipate, uh, other guys are going to get some chances too. Yeah. And Coleman said, just thoughts on the men's basketball team. And I just, I think they're going to take some lumps early on because they are so young and they've got some nice experience, like with, with Keba Njai and, you know, a couple of these transfers that they got coming in, but it's not like any of these guys were like the studs of their team from where they came. They're looking for some opportunities coming here as well. But I also think that Shrewsbury is kind of looking for a specific kind of guy who's going to kind of grind you and get down and dirty and play some physical basketball and that, that kind of stuff. So they'll take some lumps. I'll be curious to see. If they, if they kind of gain some momentum though, as the season goes along, as they start playing, you know, getting used to playing for him, getting used to playing with each other. He said, you know, something else that he said last week was his two years at Penn state, they were playing their best basketball at the end of the season. They were the, the 10 seed in last year's big 10 tournament and got all the way to the championship game. And ended up making the NCAA tournament as the 10 seed in their own conference tournament. So, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to make the NCAA tournament in year one, but I think really all you can ask is that that they get better as this season goes along, that he gets another recruiting cycle under his belt and build off that for sure next year. This is really just kind of a, almost a grand experiment (laughs) for everybody because there's just so much unknown the way he had to cobble together a roster the way he did. And I, and I think we all like what we're hearing, you know, from him, he's saying all the right things, right. You know, what is, how does that translate to on the court success or, or, or whatever I think is, is obviously one of the bigger question marks, but I will say this and I, I've, okay. I'm, I've been around a lot of basketball. I've coached some basketball, you know, things of that nature. Right. I was always a big fan of defense. You play tough defense, you get turnovers, you know, you play physical defense that turns into offense, you know, fast breaks, all that kind of stuff. So if that's what I see from this team, just like a hard nosed defensive first team, 
that's a huge step in the right direction because you can you can create offense off of that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and it doesn't have to be a slowed down half court type offense. You can create offense off of fast breaks. And that's, you know, defense into fast break is going to get the crowd going. It's going to get people to like what they're seeing on the floor, you know, because people can appreciate effort and they can appreciate the hard-nosed defensive style. You know what I mean? And so if I see that, regardless of whether it produces wins, you know, right away, I think that's a huge step in the right direction. So that's what I'm hoping to see going into the season. Yeah. James asks if I'm going to Paris. I will. We. 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 Yeah, we, we. <laughs> Bonjour. I will be going to Paris next week. What day is today? One week from today, the uh, the wheels lift off from here. So we'll be flying out. You got to be excited about that, man. I am. It's like I, I'm, I'm still doing my French lessons every night. And not getting really any farther uh, along. I'm still saying hello and goodbye to everybody and introducing myself. (laughs) Je suis Sean, you know, so. (laughs) I can't wait to hear the stories of you trying to talk to people over there. Yeah, I know. I know. Should be interesting. And then Keith says, can't wait for October 30th, getting to see the women's team in action. Yep. Next Monday, the 30th, 1st. First exhibition game, exhibition game Monday, fly on Wednesday, and then they open up the season November 6th, a week from Monday. So it's exciting. A lot back. They uh, were picked to finish second in the preseason poll today. I was a little surprised, I have to say. They picked, I mean, it's a vote. So, you know, it is what it is. People vote the way they want to vote. It was relatively close, but Virginia Tech picked to finish first. They went to the final four last year i think that that kind of fueled a lot of it and they've got the two-time defending player of the year elizabeth kitley back and a good point guard as well so they were picked to finish first notre dame picked to finish second after winning the regular season last Mm -hmm. year they went to the sweet 16 so i think it's gonna be another competitive year in the conference should be good notre dame's beaten virginia tech the last couple of years though so they get them here at purcell this season beautiful fun too Kind of like that. Love it. Joe says, who would you rather see Notre Dame play in the rotation more, Michigan or Michigan State? Like, what rotation are we talking about? Just in all rotation? Like a a mythical rotation for Notre Dame? I get, you know, like, they rotate on and off the schedule, I guess, maybe on a somewhat regular basis is kind of how I read it. I mean, everybody's going to want Michigan. I personally like Michigan State better, but that's just me. Uh, but I understand why the fans would want Michigan in, in some something somewhat of a, a rotation. Or you could have both of them, and you can go home and away with one and then home and away with the other. I would be yeah. okay with that as well. If I had to choose one or the other, I would take Michigan just because I just, I, you know, maybe it would be different if it is an intermittent, you know, sort of, series and it's just Michigan state like every six to 10 years or something like that. But when it was every year, it was to me, it was just another one of those along with Purdue and Boston college and Pittsburgh, you can lump it in there as well. When they were playing those teams somewhat regularly, it's like all those series meant more to the other teams than they meant to Notre Dame. And like those teams just like got so wound up in the fans, you know, as well. I mean, Notre Dame, Michigan, I know you hate Michigan. You know, I don't like Michigan either. 
but I don't probably hate him quite as much as you do at this point. But at the same time, it's like there's proximity to Michigan. There's a lot of Michigan fans. You know, there's a lot of Michigan State fans around town as well. Just but the it's Michigan just like, fans are louder. Yeah, and it's a it's a higher profile program, and it it's is. a series I think that that has meant more, especially from a national perspective. Notre Dame and Michigan. So I would rather see that one played more often. That's fair. Well, and especially right now. I mean, Michigan State is so down. Um, yeah. That game would not be exciting in any way, shape, or form. And I get that. You know, it would be it would be a much bigger game if they played Michigan. A much bigger game. And I would love to embarrass Michigan and point out all of their flaws and everything <laughs> for the not number two team in the country that they are. But, you know. Josh says, if Notre Dame goes 10-2 and two and gets to a New Year's Six Bowl, do any of the players sit out? I always want to say no to this question because <laughs> I want I I think that that's an important game, right? And I and I would like to think that the the players would agree with me on that. The problem is this is becoming more and more of a business every single day, right? I'm trying to think of the players that would have the opportunity to sit out where it would make sense from a draftability standpoint, right? Joe Alt, Joe Alt would be the number one guy. And I just don't see him doing it. I, I see him playing. Yeah, I wouldn't either. You know, people would say Sam Hartman, but I think Sam Hartman needs to play in a big stage. I still think he needs to prove, you know, who he is and, and all of that. I, I I think the bowl game could be a mover for him, either up or down the draft, people's draft boards. So I don't think he sits out, to be honest with you. Um, you know, and you go across the board with all the different positions. Does Audric Estime sit out because he's going to go to the NFL? That's a possibility, I suppose. I can't think of anybody on defense that would sit out. No. Cam Hart, maybe from an injury standpoint, you know, if he makes it through the rest of the season without getting injured, yeah. right, do, do you like think- Riley Mills is the only like one of the few Mills or Cross would be the possibilities in terms of draft eligible yeah. type guys. It doesn't yeah. seem like yeah, they probably just, would. It doesn't feel but, that way though, does it? Like. No. I think we all knew Michael Mayer was going to sit out last year. I think Kyron Williams was a pretty easy one, but those are the only two, right, that sat out last year. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't even a New Year's Six Bowl, right? Yeah, Gator Bowl last year. Gator Bowl, uh, yeah. Michael Mayer and Isaiah Foskey. Were the Foskey. Two who sat. Foskey. Kyron Williams almost, was the year before. It's almost oh, like a status symbol. You know, it's like, ah, I'm going to sit out the bowl game. Yeah. Kyron Williams, I understand. Like, you don't want to take the pounding you from a running back standpoint. Like I would understand Audric Estime sitting out and I would be okay with it because there's so much talent behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like Frank McCatry said, Jeremiah love might put up 200 yards in a bowl game. Like if he's the featured back, that could be a lot of fun to watch. You know what I mean? It's nothing yeah. against uh, estimate. He's just yeah. different. He's a different back. Did right? you say estimate? Like he would be yeah. a possibility, right? I guess potentially. And I could see that. I, and I would, yeah. I, I would be okay with it. You know what I mean? I would be okay with him sitting. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know. I just don't see a slew of guys sitting out. I agree. I think the ones that we mentioned are, are the, the best possibilities. And like they all – it's just it's just so hard because it's just – it's an individual thing on sort of how players think about it. And it depends on who they've stuff. got whispering in their ear and yes you know that whole thing too too. and i know like brian and ryan they kind of know that side of things a little bit better than we do 
as far as, you know, who's talking in their ears and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know that part of it. And, and there could be some very influential people telling them, Hey, let's, you know, sit out, sit out. Right. So, I mean, that's always a thing. And they can have agents now at an earlier that's stage also as true. well because yeah. of NIL. And so those guys were already talking right. to them. So that, that can be a big factor as well. For sure. Joe PM 17 best scenario for replacing Bayless next season, super underrated coaching position in his opinion. Oh, it might be underrated to the fans, but it is not underrated to head football coaches. Uh, they know how important the strength and conditioning program is. And I, I mean, that's one of the reasons that one very small reason that coach Bayless is not the strength and conditioning coach in Notre Dame anymore because there were some pretty passionate arguments being made by the head coach that he didn't agree with. Right. And, you know, so that was, it's, it, they know how important it is. I mean, that, I think there's going to be, this is the best case scenario. And I don't have names because that's not really my job is to like know who all the strength and conditioning coaches are out there, but there's going to be a national search. I would imagine, which has probably been ongoing since the day he decided to leave, but they got to wait till the end of the season. Realistically, it's going to be a national search and he's going to get the best guy out there because he, you know, the strength coach is the head coach of the off season. Yeah. If you don't have a good guy in place, man, you might as well just pack it in right away. So I, I think that we will see that position be filled relatively quickly. As soon as the bowl game is over, I would think. Right. You would think December, they go to work on that. Yes, absolutely. For sure. It, like I said, I think they've been working on it already. I have no inside information on that, but I, I would say that you know the wheels are moving already. Yes. The Brackles? Any chance Notre Dame could still make the college football playoffs? I mean, you know, it's like dumb and dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> it's like a 1% chance. And literally World War III would have to happen around them for them to have an opportunity. No two-loss team has ever made it into the college football playoffs. And the problem they have right now is there are no signature wins to be had in front of them because Clemson is bad. They have no signature wins. They've lost to Ohio State. They've lost to Louisville. So You you reverse one of those losses, they got a shot. Yeah, and and the USC game doesn't look as impressive. It looked great that night, but... Then the week happened, and yeah. they got beat by Utah. And I think yeah. there's a few more L's on USC's schedule moving forward, too. So, yeah. you know. You're just not going to sway anybody by winning out yeah. against Pittsburgh, Clemson, Wake Forest, and Stanford. It's yep. and, and no conference championship game to be played. Now, you run the table a year from now, and you're sitting there at 10-2. and two, You're probably in, in a 12-team playoff. Oh, so, a 12-team playoff? I think yeah. Notre Dame would be in. If they went right. out, I think they're in. Because I think they'd end up being a top 10 team. And remember, Notre Dame has to be top 11, really, to be in because the the top-ranked group of five, you know, gets in. So you figure they're probably not going to be in the top 12. So you got to be top 11 to get in. Notre Dame's sitting at 14 right now with four games to play. And a lot of those teams above them play each other. Mm -hmm. So if this was next year, if we're sitting here a year from now in the exact same circumstances, Notre Dame's going to get in if they win out. I I have full faith in that. And there's, there's just no way chance. they're getting to the top four. No, there's not. And I would say that there was a decent chance that they would host a game because you got to be top eight to host uh, a first round game. 
And so I would say there was an outside chance they have, you know, to host. That's what you'd be hoping for, yeah. right? You would hope some things fall your way so that you can host. That's what we would be talking about next year. But it's not next year. You're not going to get to the final four. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. Not this year. You, you, you definitely couldn't afford the loss to Louisville. And, and that's, that's, that's what did him in. I yeah. mean, you can explain away the Ohio State loss because it was the last second – or leading, you know, all of those different things, right? You can you can explain that away. Plus, it was like week three or four or whatever it was, right? Like it happened early on, all of that, right? But you can't lay an egg to Louisville like that. And they laid a ostrich-sized egg Massive. in that game. Yep. And you can't explain that one away. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Just as rumor has it, Clemson's hired someone to look at a chance to get out of the ACC. Where do they go? The SEC. <laughs> they could have hired me for 20 bucks and a, <laughs> you know, a supersized meal at McDonald's to tell them the only way out is to pay $250 million or whatever right. the number is. Like, what what is there to hire a guy to do? That's all they're doing. It's like, it, like you can hire – yeah, you can <laughs> – you can hire a consultant. It doesn't mean you're going to get out. I, you know, it's like it's one thing to want out. It's another thing to actually have the ability to do it. Everyone wants out of prison while yeah. you're there, but yeah, not, exactly. Not, every, not everyone gets paroled, right? Seriously, <laughs> like I, I just it seems silly to me that they would waste their money on a position like that when anybody can tell them that that's not going to happen unless you write a yeah. fat check. If they could get out without paying the kind of money that's been reported, they would have done it already. Right. It's just, so I don't know. We'll yeah, see. That seems odd to me that they would waste their money like that, but okay. I mean, good for you. Right. How, how appealing is Clemson as an AC, as an SEC edition at this point? Honestly, I, I don't think it's that appealing. In that's what I'm saying. The condition, the, you know, the, Dabo Swinney is at a really pivotal point in his career yes. and in in Clemson's future because let's remember there's only been one other small window of time where Clemson football was a national player and that was a long time ago in this window that they have been in hats off to Dabo for for getting him sure. there but of course everyone else is is playing by a different set of rules right now he still thinks Based on the way he's operating right now, he still thinks that his recruiting is the thing to push this team forward. But, I mean, DJ Uyangalale is doing better at Oregon State without Dabo in that offense this year. Yeah. You know, and Dabo doesn't want to bring in transfers. So, is he going to is he going to uh, do what Mike Shashevsky did and and make a make a, you know, do a 180? Uh, you know, Mike Shashevsky said, well, we're not going to recruit one and duns. And then that didn't yeah. get him very far for a couple of years. And so right. we went all in on the one and done type guys and yep. had a heck of a lot more success. Well, and, and it's 
I mean, Brian made a point on Monday that, uh, you know, where Clemson is right now, and we've, and we've talked about, you know, is this the end of Clemson? You know, not the end, but like the, you know, is there, they're headed this direction, right? And I'm pointing down for those that are listening, I, you know, they're headed in the wrong direction right now. And he basically said right now with the Notre Dame Clemson game coming up, it's like somebody handed Notre Dame the plug for Clemson and they're on life support. And if Notre Dame goes in there and pounds on Clemson, it's just like unplugging that thing. And just, I mean, that might be the end of their dynasty at that point. You know, they're, yeah. they got a lot of work to do to get back up to the upper echelon of college football. What Michael Hahn is saying here, I've heard this before as well. He says, rumor is the sec doesn't want the ACC to implode because that would mean Notre Dame to the big 10, which strengthens their top conference rivals. So the SEC wants Notre Dame to stay independent. And, you know, and you've got to remember that ESPN is also TV partners with both the ACC and the SEC now with, you know, the new contract next year. So like for Greg Sankey, there's, you know, there's, there's more incentive for him, you know, to, to keep the ACC afloat with Notre Dame being a part of that. And I have, I have heard that, 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 you know, remember Greg Sankey and Jack Swarbrick were two of the original architects of the whole 12 sure. team, you know, expanded playoff that that the Pac-12 and the ACC and, and everyone shot down at first. And then they, they ended up going back to him. But everyone was mad at Sankey and mad at Swarbrick. You know, people in the ACC were mad at Swarbrick about it. But, you know, there's there's been that relationship. And I've heard that as well because. It's absolutely right. If the ACC does fall apart, then if Notre Dame is pushed into a conference, it's it's going to be the Big Ten at that point, and that's not good for the SEC. So, I've definitely heard this theory floated around by a few, you know, kind of like the media types with their with their ears, you know, to the tracks and that kind of stuff. It's interesting because this is this is borderline conspiracy theory like it's it's right there you know what i mean but i get it like i i get i see the trail right i i mean i see the path it makes sense uh i just wonder if that's how much thinking goes into it like well if i do this then this and like you know the way they've been snatching up and by they i mean the big 10 the sec you know the way they've been snatching up schools left and right i'm wondering if they have actually looked at the consequences of doing so because I feel like, you know, getting all those West Coast teams to play on the East Coast and all those, like, it just doesn't feel like a whole lot of thought process has gone into it, except we got to make the football stronger. I just feel like a lot of it's going to backfire at some point. But I agree. Maybe, maybe. Yep. It's kind of like the cable bundle, you know, like, the you know, like every, you know, everyone's, you know, cutting the cord and going to streaming and all this stuff. And now you've got to get like 15 different streaming platforms to watch everything that you want to watch and all that right. kind of stuff. And everyone's going, well, you know, why don't, you know, is there a place that we could go where we could just have it all in one place? Yeah. It's called cable. And then you, <laughs> you walked away from cable. I think eventually in like 10 years, it's probably all going to go back to, so funny. to you know, something's going to go back to, but it's like that, like with all this conference stuff, everyone's splintering off and, you know, right. As we've talked about, you've got West Coast teams playing in the Midwest and all this That's different stupid. stuff. I think at some point they're going to realize 
you know, this really makes a lot less sense than we thought it did. And they'll probably end up going back to their little fiefdoms and playing their little, you know, regions in different parts right. of the country once again. But it'll take probably 15 or 20 years to get to that point, back right. to that point. It's just like bell bottoms are coming back, baby. Yeah. So right. will the conferences. Let's go. That's right. Milton, thanks for the super chat. Which household item would you compare Brian Kelly to? Oh, my gosh. I didn't see this one roll through because if I did, I would have been thinking about it uh, for a while. Hmm. A household item. So that just means anything in the house? Yeah. Because I feel like he's like one of those dolls with the pull string in the back. And you just pull it, and then like another cliche comes out. I like that. Pull it, and another cliche comes out. Like, yeah, that's the first thing that came to mind. I mean, I don't know your TV for the same reason. It's like you, you <laughs> right. turn it on, and something's going to come out of it. It doesn't have to make any sense, but something's going to come <laughs> out of it. You know, so. I, just... I guess it serves some purpose, but you know what real purpose? I don't know. That's the best I can do right Man, now. That's a tough notice. one. I'm sure there's a better answer out there for both of us. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm looking around like my office. Like I'm looking for stuff. <laughs> How about like a spatula because he flips so much? Ah, that's a good one. How about that's that? That's a really good one. I don't know. I like that. Oh, here we go. Somebody said BK. Here we go. BK is a Teflon. Teflon. pretty, but doesn't work when you cook in a very important meal and nothing sticks. That's. I like that one, David. That's a pretty good one. It's a really good one. Especially spur of the moment. I know, right? Teflon pan. That's good. Another super chat from Tyler. If you have the power to punish Michigan, what would you do? I mean, what would I do? I would tell them they can't play football anymore, but that, you know. <laughs> um, you know, there obviously the rule is in there. The rule is spelled out. You know, you can't record in person you know whatever right so you gotta you you have to the punishment has to fit the crime right and so i'm gonna try to be a unbiased person here head coach is gonna get suspended again probably and maybe maybe you take a couple of scholarships away like five you know what i mean i doubt it might even be too harsh for this it, the problem is it's an ongoing thing and i think that's what has to be taken into account it's a bunch of little stupid stuff that michigan continues to do that is against the rules and they're like oh our bad we didn't you know we didn't know like yeah you did and so as we call it in student services this is accumulated misbehavior yeah and once you get to a certain point now we start suspending right that's what we do at school like okay it's a lunch detention it's an after school detention it's a talk it's a call home you know, now we're going to have a suspension. Like, I feel like we've accumulated some time here where maybe some scholarships need to go away. Maybe the head coach needs to be suspended for games that matter as opposed to their ridiculous non-conference schedule. You know, things like that. Yeah, I mean, that that could be an easy one. You know, the Big Ten could do it quicker, but I don't think, you know, there's no incentive for the Big Ten to lay the hammer down on them because right. Michigan's one of their bell cows. So, I mean, like you could easily say you're suspended for your conference championship game and, it, you know, at least your first playoff game, assuming you're going to play or, you know, your whatever your 
your uh, your postseason game is. Like I've seen a lot of people say bowl ban. They're they're trying to do away with some of that stuff. Are they? Know, the okay. NCAA in, in terms of both basketball and football postseason bans and, and stuff like that. They're trying to get away from some of that stuff as punishments. I think personally – you you don't see enough monetary fines being doled out when yeah. it comes to college athletics. And, you know, look, I think people are looking at this as a victimless crime, but big-time college athletics, and the Big Ten is obviously big-time college athletics, it is, it, is a, it is a cutthroat business oh, yeah. and livelihoods are on the line when you're playing these games. That is why Michigan was willing to go to the lengths that they were, you know, have gone to, to, to steal the signs from these other, you know, so like other coaches have been, they don't feel like this is victimless. This. Yeah. Right. They, the other coaches don't feel like this is victimless. They, exactly. they, they go to, they go to great lengths to protect their signs, you know, with the, they, they have like the things behind them or, right. you know, they go to great lengths to protect their signs because, the NCAA doesn't do the speaker in the helmet. And so you've got to have signs. And I get that they're a little ticked off, right? Because if Michigan's doing it, why couldn't they be doing it? You know? And I, I, I it's a, it's, well, if, it's you, not if you listen to Michigan crime. fans, everyone's doing it. The, and this isn't a big yeah. deal, but that's total garbage. You know? well, I heard that and today like, in a meeting, actually, from a Michigan fan. So. Of course you did. And it's yeah. all Michigan. Like, no, I'm sorry. Not everyone is paying people. Not everyone is buying tickets for people to go to other right. people's games and record their signs because it is against the rules. Correct. Like it's it, Jesse and I talked about this yesterday. It's no different than the Houston Astros thing. It's one thing if you are standing on the sideline in a game right. and you're looking at the other team's sideline with your own eyes and trying to decipher and steal signs over the course of a game. That's gamesmanship. That's right. I have right. no problem with that. It's another thing when you're involving technology and doing Correct. it in advance. That is, it's simply not allowed. I'm sorry. Right. Not everyone is doing it. I'm right. sorry. Yep. Like, and again, the Michigan fans are trying to act like we're all naive because we don't think, you know, like, oh, of course everyone's doing it. No, just you and your cheating coaching staff are doing it. There yep. might be a handful of other schools, but they're all going to, cover their tracks a heck of a lot better than what this scallions guy did it's like Seriously. using his own name to buy these tickets all over the country and it's again every day something new comes out like he was buying <laughs> tickets to sec games and you know to games of teams that they might be playing in the playoff for the last couple years like so my point was going to be i think you need to hit the head coach in the pocketbook find him at least a million dollars yeah like and the like school it. And the school as well, and maybe forfeit a couple, you know, win, you know, some victories along the way. But that's what, like, I think if you want to keep keep coaches and and schools from doing this, hit them in the pocketbook. That I, I don't right. think that's done enough in college. You have to make them regret this. Yeah, that's what you have to do. You have to make them feel it. You got to make them feel it. However, that is, you've got to make them feel it because. At first, when I heard about this, I was like, oh, well, they're just, you know, they're stealing signs. It's not that big of a deal. But it is a big deal with the way that they're doing it. Again, right. it's not that it's not like baseball when you're sitting in the dugout and you're watching the third base coach and you're trying to figure out what the bunt sign is. You right. Know? That's gamesmanship. You're allowed to do that. That's what you should do. Right. But I'm not sending my coaches to other games to videotape the third base coach and then decipher what those signs are. That's not okay. That that is not 
scouting, right? That's not scouting. I'm sorry. Thank mm-hmm. you.